We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. Take two. <laughs> We're uh, trying out some new things, as you can see right now. Um, Google Hangouts no longer exists, so we can't do live shows on there. So we're uh, testing out some other platforms. Giving it a go, and it's August 31 here in Melbourne, Australia, and somehow there's still plenty of Brooklyn Nets news somehow. Yes, tons of Brooklyn Nets news, especially for this week. It's kind of yep. crazy. So many things happened. It's, I mean, we've got Carol Silver to talk about, Carmelo Anthony, Spencer Dimity did an AMA, Wilson Chandler's taking PEDs. Um, <laughs> just, we're going to jump right into it, I think, Nick. Yeah, uh, let's start with Karis LeVert. I was super hyped when I saw this. Obviously, three years, $52 million, uh extension, around seventeen point five per year. No player option or team option. So Karis LeVert is locked up this season and three more years after that. And in my opinion, a great deal for the Nets and a great deal for LeVert. Yeah, I think it's it's similar to, to the Spencer Dimity extension. You know, I remember us talking about that last season and we were sort of advocating for it. Uh, came a little bit out of left field because most of the time you do see these sort of extensions. They generally happen. Um, it, it's generally the max sort of extension, like with Ben Simmons and Jamal Murray. Um, but it happened on Carol Savert's birthday. It was a really nice moment. He tweeted out some cool videos of that. Um, and now I guess it sort of solidifies uh, this call going forward. You know, Carol Savert is that sort of third highest player third highest paid player um, on a really sort of cost-friendly deal. And, you know, I think, you know, there's been some reports uh, from different sort of outlets about the fact that the Nets don't really have that flexibility. But if you look at Carol Savert's, you know, the number of, of the contract, you know, 17.5 per year, you had a guy like Spencer Dean when he was on about 10 or 11 per year, you know, the flexibility that those contracts have as assets, you know, not to obviously say that these guys are going to get traded, but you know, if Carol Savert isn't going to live up to that extension, you know, he continues to be plagued by injury history. Um, it's a very tradable deal. But I think Sean Marks, you know, his first sort of draft pick uh, in, in his tenure. So this is sort of like a, an investment in his own future to an extent, sort of just re-upping in the extent um, of, 
of investing in what the Brooklyn Nets see as a, a long-term piece. Yes, Carol Savert might be that little bit older, you know, heading into his age 25 season, but still an incredible amount of upside. Yes, the injury history, I think, is probably the biggest concern. But at the end of the day, you've got a really young, talented guy who is in the most improved player conversation, probably the all-star conversation as well. Uh, and heading into next season, you know, I just did a video breakdown on, on Nets Republic on its defensive tangibility and defensive upside. Uh, you know, we've talked about, you know, the, the pairing with him and Kyrie Irving. Uh, it's going to be an exciting season for Carlos Verdon. You know, I guess it all sort of hinges on him and what sort of uh, value he can provide for the team going forward because uh, he's going to be an incredibly important piece. Yeah, I mean, Jack, you nailed it on a ton of points right there. And starting from the top, I think you see a deal like this because you mentioned the Levert injury in the past. So the Nets are able to kind of get a little bit of a steal on the price tag because there is a little bit of risk, obviously. Last year was kind of a freak accident, but before that, the injuries did happen. And going to this upcoming season, there's high expectations for him to possibly be an all-star type player. But if he doesn't, the $17 is not that bad because that's like high-end starter money. So I think it, you look at it from that way and then talk about the flexibility with the roster. I think anytime you sign two max guys like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, you're probably not going to have a lot of salary flexibility. It's just how it is when you're you know dishing out, what, $70 million between those two. So I think having a guy like LeVert at $17 million, a tradable contract, you mentioned Dinwiddie, another tradable contract, whatever they retain Joe Harris for and some of the other guys on the roster, I think they're in fine position and most of the time when you have two elite players like that in uh, Kyrie and KD it's easier to find role players on a cheaper deal and then also the possibility of Levert being that third star and adding to the big three could be the make or break for the Nets with the difference between being a contender and a championship yeah, I, I think you really nailed it on the head there, Nick. I think, you know, this the, the impetus is on Carlos Avert now to take that next step to make sure his body stays healthy. And obviously, the, the freak injuries that have occurred across his career, you know, aren't on him. And, you know, he has the, mes- the best medical staff in the business behind him in the Brooklyn Nets. But um, I'll throw something at you, Nick. Um, I, I think I posted this as a, as a question on Twitter a, a little bit earlier in the week. Who is on a better value contract, Carlos Avert or Spencer Dinwiddie? You know, this is a really tough one. I think I'm going to go with Dinwiddie here, even though, you know, Karras is my boy. I think Dinwiddie's just such a cheap deal when you see the what point guard signed for this offseason to have him around $11 million, It just doesn't even seem realistic. You would have think the Nets signed him to that contract two or three years ago before he really popped off. The fact that they signed him December last year, and Dinwiddie's had a couple injuries, but nothing too crazy. I just think his contract is probably one of the best in the league in terms of, like, non, non-rookie contract. Yeah, I think if you look at both of them, they're probably two of the, you know, just off the top of my head, two of the 10 best contracts, best value contracts in the league. You know, another guy that springs to mind is a guy, Miles Turner, on a similarly uh, high value deal in, in relation to the extension that he got. And obviously, he took that massive jump that allowed him uh, to sort of be in that conversation for having such a, a really high value contract in relation to. Uh, Nick, I was listening to Zach Lowe. I have a chat a bit earlier with Ramona Shelbourne on his podcast. He was saying, Karasovic is one of the six most important players in the NBA and the Nets most vital in terms of achieving long-term success. Do you agree with that, that opinion from uh, Mr. Lowe? I, I guess so. I think that's a fair opinion because you look at it this way as well as as Kyrie and Kevin Durant get a little bit older, you know, you want Karras to enter his prime and kind of be that guy. So I think him his next step, like I mentioned earlier, is kind of the difference between just being a championship contender and a championship winner, especially with a two-way ability, because you need a guy like that that can get you a bucket 
but he also can lock somebody down and prevent them from getting a bucket. So I think Lavert's jump is really, really big. I don't think it's like the end-all, be-all for the Nets because there's other guys who can make improvements, but he'd be the number one guy that can make that jump to being an all-star. And like we talked about, giving them that big three instead of just a big two. Yeah, and I mean, we'll probably delve into quite a bit deeper in terms of the, the player preview series when we talk about you know him going forward um, and what he can sort of bring on that end of the floor. Um, obviously, he's going to be an incredibly important part of, of what the Nets are trying to achieve. And, you know, if they're going to be take that next step going forward, you know, obviously there's going to be an improvement uh, uh, in some sense, the word due to the, the free agency that we sort of had, you know, getting Kyrie Irving, getting those sort of guys on board. There's going to be a jump despite the skepticism, you know, around the NBA sort of wings. Um, but if Kyle Savert can take that jump going forward, um, will it be, you know, a 50-win team or sort of 46-47 win team? I think Kyle Savert is probably, you know, a key indicator in, in, in that sort of respect. But, um in that sort of sense, Nick, uh, the team contracts, the Nets have a lot locked up. Um, what do you think about, I guess we sort of talked about it, a little bit about the flexibility going forward. You know, Katie and Kyrie are now signed through 2023 uh, with their player options. DeAndre Jordan signed through 2023. Spencer signed through uh, 2022 when he's got that player option in the last year. Carol Savert, 2023. Uh, and Rodion's coach signed through 2022. It's essentially just Joe Harris and Torian Prince as the, the free agents prospective free agents heading into uh, the end of next season. How do you feel about the, I guess, this nucleus of the Brooklyn Nets team um, heading into the future? And then we just to mention guys like Torian Prince and Nets have his restricted free agency rights and Joe Harris's bird rights. So they can easily retain those guys if they want to, especially Torian, unless Joe, you know, gets some crazy offer. But I feel good. I think you look at that core and if Kevin Durant is back and healthy, you know, this is a championship team. Like, even if maybe Karis LeVert doesn't take that jump, we still talk about them being a contender. I still think this is a really, really good team. And it's got a perfect mix of veterans and young talent where there's guys on this team that can make a jump and get better. We haven't seen the best basketball from a Karis LeVert, from a Jared Allen, from a Rodeons, you know, from a, probably a Torian Prince. There's just a lot of possibilities on here. And the coaching staff has gotten the best out of not only young players, but also out of veterans, too. In that sort of sense with Karis Levert, Nick, I, I guess we'll stay on him until we move on to some Carmelo Anthony news and, and the rest. But what do you think is one of the two or sort of three things for him to sort of exceed the value in this contract, for him to sort of repay the faith in terms of what the Brooklyn Nets gave him in that $52.5 million extension? I think the number one thing that it'll be make or break, and it could even be just this one thing that would turn Karis Levert and possibly an all-star player. If he shot like... 30 or 38 or 39 percent from three like that big of jump he would just his offensive game is already really good in terms of attacking the basket passing around the rim running the pick and roll his handles are nice you know his his mid-range jump shot is okay you don't really need that in today's nba but he's able to add that three-point shot i think that's a going to be a big factor for him because it just adds value to him not only on ball but then off ball he becomes so impactful when you have guys like Kyrie and KD and I think defensively just getting a little bit more consistent you know on ball defense just take it to another level maybe become a little bit more of a vocal leader defensively you know you see some of the great defensive teams they're always communicating and maybe uh, Karras could take a bigger role in that aspect we know Jared Allen needs to take a bigger role there too and then I think other than and then the third thing would probably just be health and you know some of that's luck some of that's just taking better care of your body which we saw from him last season other than the freak injury so uh, I'm think those three things so three-point shooting you know improve defensively and then health 
Yeah, I think that those are all incredibly good points. And a lot of those, obviously, he can control in that sort of sense of the word. If we see Karis Levert play 70-plus games next year, you know, I'm pretty confident in the fact that he's going to you know, exceed the value of the extension um, going yep. forward. But there was a nice piece on the ringer.com in, in terms of Karis Levert and, and what he can sort of do going forward to improve. You know, we know what he can do as a defender. I think it's just being able to do it on a consistent basis. You know, I put out a little bit of a thread um, on Financial Public. And one of the videos that I absolutely love was that uh, one-on-one play against Devin Booker, you know, his ability to fight through screens. And I think that you sort of, we've touched on it a, a little bit in terms of all the sort of Nets young players just developing their strength in their bodies. And I think Karis Avert, you know, he's probably in that sort of prime position now. When you're 25 to sort of 28, that's when you're physically in your prime as as an adult in general. So I think that we're going to see him as at his physical peak, hopefully, uh, going forward as well. And yeah, just doing the doing better with the ball not in his hands. And I think three-point shooting is the number one sort of thing. Uh, doing a, I've been doing a little bit of investigation for another video breakdown that I'm going to be doing on Karis Levert shooting. A lot of it he does create for himself. You know, he creates yeah. off the dribble. He creates off the pick. Um, how he's going to work alongside Kyrie Irving when he gets those kickouts. Um, you know, just looking specifically, just literally delving into all the three-point shots that he's taken this season. He's creating a lot for himself. And I think that playing alongside Kyrie, you know, we saw um, the glimpses of it last season with D'Angelo Russell, but there were so many, you know, instances where both of those guys were on the floor, but they were sort of do- doing their own ISO sort of thing. And they're both incredibly, incredibly good isolation players. So with the ball not in his hands, you know, how can Karras you know, attack off cuts. You know, we know that he is incredibly, uh, incredibly high level athlete, um, you know, dribble handoffs, all that sort of thing. So I think the, the things that you mentioned, Nick, we'll probably delve into uh, pretty in depth when the player preview series uh, comes to fruition. But uh, were there any final thoughts you had on this Karis Avert extension before we move no. on to uh, Carmelo Anthony? You know, uh, this is kind of crazy, but I was almost just as happy to see the Karis Avert extension as I was to see Kevin Durant and Kyrie Zion. I mean, I was just super pumped and just to know it was locked up because you mentioned it's kind of weird to see these extensions take place uh, before, you know, free agency if it's not like a max deal. So I, I had a feeling that he was going to go into next year's offseason and probably get a huge contract because we know the free agent class isn't that great. But to get him at this price and for three years, no options, I was ecstatic and I didn't have to worry about my jersey curse. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> who knows? Plenty of things can happen in this weird, wild and wacky NBA. But, you know, I think just speaking more collectively about the NBA as a whole, I think. Karis Levert's extension, you know, how that sort of works going forward for the likes of Jalen Brown, Brandon Ingram, and these sort of guys, even Toy and Prince, who's now on the roster, you know, what is the value that he provides? He's obviously not going to be getting, you know, a, a lofty extension um, to the likes of what Karis Levert is getting, um, obviously just due to the nature of the salary cap and such. But um, it's intriguing to me how that affects guys like Jalen Brown, how that affects guys like Brandon Ingram, you know, those guys who are restricted free agents, even Buddy Heald, who are restricted free agents. But now that we've seen sort of one of those premier sort of restricted free agents are off the market um what money does there uh what is the market like for those guys uh, obviously there's plenty out there uh, but does Karis Avert's extension you know affect them in any sort of way do agencies and teams go look Karis Avert had this all-star season you guys are still you know playing um, on potential you know, there's no way we're going to give you this you know four-year 100 million dollar extension yeah, and uh, shout out to our boy Cam, who just wrote a great piece on Jalen Brown, and he kind of mentioned how Karis Avert's extension will impact Jalen Brown. You can check that out at otgbasketball.com. Definitely. Um, I guess we should get to some mellow news, Nick. Yeah, it's been, it's been pretty popping about mellow lately. I wonder why. I wonder why. <laughs> Obviously, it started. I think we, we haven't talked a heap about uh, Kamala Anthony and the Brooklyn Buzz, funnily enough, but um, I, I think the interesting thing is that he's been sort of lurking in the wings for, for quite a while. Obviously, he's been doing 
you know, some media stuff. He's been doing some scrimmages with some of his teammates and he was in LA, obviously with the, the Brooklyn Nets guys. And now, you know, he's working out with Julius Randle and some of the New York Knicks guys at the same time. And, you know, I guess the, uh, the impetus for this talking point is the fact that Frank Isola did a piece uh, and mentioned uh, on The Athletic the fact that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving uh, are pretty big advocates for, for signing uh, Kamala Anthony to the Brooklyn Nets. Obviously, the Nets have a 15-man roster right now. I guess we'll chat about Wilson Chandler and how that relates to this going forward. There are some two ways available, but Kamala Anthony's not going to take a two-way contract. So, <laughs> it would be uh, a pretty wild circumstance. I mean, it would show the desperation he has to really get on the team, but... Um, I guess in that sense, the word Nick does come on Anthony fit on the Brooklyn Nets. You know, I've been really like thinking about this for a while. Like I, I still feel indifferent about it. I think a lot of it just really depends on what, what's going to happen with Wilson Chandler. You know, you, we've talked, mentioned it, you know, 25 game suspension, you know, are the Nets going to retain him for the rest of the season. Or are they going to cut him? Are they going to have that open roster spot? If they have the open roster spot, you know, Carmelo Anthony might be the best option. Obviously he is from Brooklyn, you know, played on the Knicks. It would be pretty crazy if he joined the team and they won a championship and he got his championship with Brooklyn. So I think there's definitely some pros and cons to it. Obviously, is Melo willing to take that bench role? Because Wilson Chandler wasn't going to play a big role in the Nets. You know, probably 10 to 15 minutes off the bench, maybe bigger minutes if there was an injury or something like that. Would be would Melo be down for that? What kind of value can he provide the team? What does his conditioning look like? A lot of reports say he's looked really good in scrimmages that uh, Kenny Atkinson has watched, Sean Marks has watched. So the Nets have done a little homework on him. So I think it is a real possibility where in the past, I didn't think it was likely, but with this news about Chandler, it's, it could happen. It certainly could happen. Um, I guess at the, the, the sort of talk, the ending point of Frank Isola's piece where it's just like, it's going to be up to Sean Marks at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and I guess it shows the power that, I mean, I mean, the DeAndre Jordan contract probably showed the power that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have already in this franchise, despite uh, having not even set foot on the court yet. And you know, the fact that it is a star-driven league. Um, how come, Anthony, what is his role going to be within this Brooklyn Nets system? Um, I'm, you know, obviously skeptical in, in the sense that I don't know what he's going to provide. And is he going to take away, is he going to stunt the development of guys like Torian Prince, of guys like Rodion's Kuritz? I don't want him to take, you know, minutes away from those guys who I think can provide more value right now in the NBA. They are better players right now in the NBA. I think a lot of yep. people probably argue with that. But, you know, we saw Rodion's Kuritz start for the Brooklyn Nets for a large portion of the season. Torian Prince did the same for the Atlanta. The Hawks and is a, a stylistically almost perfect fit within the Brooklyn Nets system. Um, Colin Anthony, you know, we've seen you know his latest iteration, you know, in, in Houston. We saw him put up buckets against us when we were doing you know a review of the Houston Rockets win uh, against the Brooklyn Nets. So we've seen it firsthand. The last time I saw a Brooklyn Nets game. I saw Colin Anthony on the sidelines, you know, when it was the oh, Miami yeah. Heat, Dwayne Wade um, game, and he was about to take that shot, and then he sort of was like, "Nah, I'm gonna troll these guys." <laughs> It, it would was be foreshadowing pretty, something. <laughs> it might be. It might be. It might be foreshadowing something. And the fact that maybe when I come back, I go, I see him, and he's actually in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. Um, it will be pretty wild. I mean, if we're putting a percentage on it, Nick, and I mean, you know, we can chat about the Wilson Chandler stuff. You know, obviously Joe Johnson is working out with a few teams as well, and. I mean, it warms my heart to see Joe Johnson absolutely dominating. And the fact that he did so against a big three and is, all, and is already, you know, endearing himself uh, and making himself an, a, a worthwhile sort of prospect to other teams around the NBA, it shows you that maybe Melo should go back to the big three or should have gone back to the big three and he could have actually just played some basketball, put up some hoops. Yeah, it's like putting out uh, one of these uh, summer videos for yourself, except Joe Johnson yeah. did it a little bit, you know, it's more official. 
Uh, just a shout out our boy Jay, who's in the comments right now. Melo can still score. I think he could help Kyrie shoulder the offensive load. Also said, bring back ISO Joe. Um, and if I'm putting a percentage on Melo coming back, if Wilson Chandler were to be cut or waived or whatever it may be, I would give it like a 33% chance because I think there is a chance it could be Mellow, but I also think it could be a guy like Iso Joe or maybe another free agent where we maybe necessarily haven't talked about. You know, Sean Marks has been known to kind of just grab somebody out of the blue. Yeah, and I mean, if anyone is going to, you know, be a reformation project, a place for a reformation project for Carmelo Anthony, it is the Brooklyn Nets. You know, I, I think that we haven't seen any sort of you know, the, the vet sort of roles, though, obviously, within the Brooklyn Nets system. You look at Garrett Temple, you know, Wilson Chandler for the short period that he might be in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. You know, Ed Davis, these sort of guys, they've put their egos aside and realize that their value is beyond what is on the basketball court. Yes, that they still need to do. Yes, they still need to play to provide that sort of player value as well. Um, I think it's a sort of symbiotic relationship. You need to be able to play to be able to have that impact on your guys to go, look, you know, I've got the veteran leadership here. I can still put up a few buckets, you know, 15 to 20 minutes a night. But at the end of the day, um, my value is beyond that as well. You know, I've been around the wings. I can show you how to be professional. I can show you how to do this. You know, Chauncey Billups, um, just a few weeks ago, I remember discussing on JBT, he hasn't put aside the fact that he wants to put up 30 a night. Um, he's talked about the fact that he does. Um, but at the same time, you can't help but think, you know, in the back of your head, is that still going to remain for Kamala Anthony? Is he going to fit within the Brooklyn Nets, you know, offensive schemes? How much of a liability is going to be on the defensive end? He's a great rebounder. I think that's one underrated thing about Kamala Anthony throughout his career. But as a, you know, whenever he's going to be out there, he's going to be a sieve on the defensive end. You know, you could say that to an extent about Jared Dudley, but I don't think you really could because he was out there in some real crunch time moments for the Brooklyn Nets. Whereas Kamala Anthony is going to be a bit player at best. He can provide you value as a spark plug off the bench. But how much value does that give you? How many wins does that add uh, to the Brooklyn Nets scheme? Um, I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, I think that's the biggest factor. It's like, is Melo just going to want to come back and be a scorer that comes off the bench? Or is he willing to maybe put in some of the dirty work? You've been around the NBA long enough to know that these little small plays, setting a screen, calling something out, you know, just pointing out something to your teammate can make a difference. We saw that last year with Jared Dudley. It's like if Melo took... 50% of what Jared Dudley did last year and put it into his game this upcoming season and, you know, still had some of the offense we've seen in the past, it would be a great addition. But like you mentioned, it's kind of unknown if he's willing to accept the role like that. And like I kind of hinted at earlier, Wilson Chandler's role wasn't really going to be big. And guys like Torian Prince and Rodion's probably are better complementary players because that's a role they've been in, you know, their entire NBA careers where Melo's still kind of used to being that one or two option. And that's just not going to be a thing in Brooklyn. Yeah, until we see it, you know, until we see it in, in any sense of the imagination, Kamal Anthony can't, hasn't proven himself as a complimentary piece. And, you know, in Oklahoma City, he was that third sort of guy, you know. He, he, and I think a lot of that probably wasn't on him. Uh, I think he still had, was okay um, in, in a sense of the word. But, you know, in Houston as well, you know, it sort of flamed out um, in terms of what he provided them. And obviously they had probably slightly higher aspirations than the Brooklyn Nets do next season. So maybe as a one-year sort of project with um, Kim and out in the wings, you know, you can certainly sell tickets with a guy like uh, a hometown hero like Kamala Anthony, you know, playing. But it, it just, uh, I'm, I'm skeptical. Uh, I think that's the key word to probably take away from all this. Yeah, and I think uh, it's it's really tough to gauge too because the OKC situation, like you hinted at, it just wasn't really a great situation 
you know, already having a Westbrook and Paul George. And then Adams really was already kind of that third guy because they run pick and roll so much with Westbrook. And we know that Westbrook needs the ball in his hands a lot to be successful. So already not necessarily the best point guard to match up with. And then you go to Houston. And if there's a guy who has the ball in his hands more than Westbrook, it's James Harden. So that's where I think it gets really interesting. So it's not like Melo's been in the best opportunities to be a complimentary player. So I think some of it's on him, but also some of it's on the team. And it's like, it's tough to communicate that before the season starts because he could say one thing and then do another thing on the court. But at the end of the day, it doesn't work out. There's players that can take his role. So I think that's something too. It's like, would he be okay getting some DNPs? Because it could be a possibility where, hey, Rodion's and Torian Prince are just playing better or maybe we just don't need you at the four tonight and with this matchup. And yeah, and Kenny rarely plays beyond nine men in his rotation. Occasionally, he'll go ten, you know, a, a few times. But you know, it'll be interesting to see how he's sort of willing to take that backseat role. You know, he's saying it, but you know, uh, actions speak louder than words. And if he is a Brooklyn Net, you know, I want, I'll want him to sort of prove it in in that sort of sense, of the imagination. Now, a couple of questions that are, I'll be remiss if, if we forget. Nick Jay jumped in, sort of saying, you know, um, would you rather have Melo, Dwight, or CP3 as a sort of veteran presence in that locker room? It's a really tough one, to be honest. Definitely not Dwight, because he still has a lot to prove in terms of professionalism, and he's just kind of been that jokester his entire career. CP3 has been known to be a little bit aggressive with his teammates, which, you know, I think it depends more so on the teammate. I guess Melo is kind of the indifferent one, but I always just think back to the situation in New York where he kind of got Jeremy Lin out of town. What could have been if Lin was to stay and work with Melo? I think that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So it's definitely between CP3 and Melo, and I guess based off of recent things, I guess i go with Carmelo. I'd go with CP3, but not on the Nets roster, obviously. Yeah. Um, I think just in general, Chris Paul, I think, still has plenty left in the tank. Um, I think that... On, in the right circumstance. And I think OKC is a good circumstance. I think he'll demand professionalism. Uh, and I think that that will make the young players like Shea Gildas-Alexander better. Within the Brooklyn Nets system, yeah, it's 100, 110%. Um, come on, Anthony. But with that being said, Nick, would you prefer, and I think you put out a poll like this, um, talking about this, would you prefer Melo or would you prefer Iso Joe? Uh, I think I would probably, cons- like right now, without knowing what Melo is going to do with his future role if he were to sign with the Nets, I feel more comfortable knowing Joe Johnson would probably accept a lesser role and be a complimentary bench piece and has a better idea how to do that. We saw him in Utah kind of be that guy and then step up when there was injuries. So I think I would lean towards Joe Johnson right now, and obviously there's already a relationship there between the Nets and him. Yeah, I, I think that it would be almost fitting and it would be um- – if we were to get either of these guys, it'd be, it'd be pretty incredible to see you know them pull on a Brooklyn Nets jersey. Um, but you know, a lot of guys, you know, I, I think Joe Johnson can provide. You know, like you said in Utah, Nick. You know, he had some big moments, and I think that that's big shots, just, big shots. You know, Iso Joe is one of the most clutch players. We've seen that obviously uh, firsthand. The guy just knows how to get a bucket, and I think that. You know, he knows he's already proven, like the sort of point we were talking about, the boy most skeptical about, is he willing to take that step back? Um, we've seen Joe Johnson do that already. You know, obviously he's 39 years old. Cole Anthony has a few years on him in terms of age, um, and he is looking quite trim. Um, but at the end of the day, that only means so much in, you know, one on one scrimmages. So I think I'd probably go Joe Johnson as well, just because of the fact that he'd be okay taking those DNPs. You know, it's not going to bring this whole media narrative. We're not going to see leaks to the media um, where we see, you know, athletic reports or Nets daily reports where it's just like, come on, Anthony is unhappy with his role, uh, demands more minutes or or whatever it might be. Things you might see in 2K storylines. So I think in, in that sort of sense, as a 
basketball fit. You know, Joe Johnson just adds way more value. But I think that there is an upside with Kamala Anthony that we probably haven't talked about. And, and I think that with a lot of that, um, it is because he, he still has a little bit more left in the tank. Uh, he has age on his side. And maybe the Brooklyn Nets are the right fit for him. Yeah, and like I said, he is from Brooklyn, so I don't think there's a po- there is a possibility where he joins the Nets and things work out perfectly, and he becomes a one-two punch off the bench with Spencer Dinwiddie, and that's just disgusting. And then you just think about you know KD coming back, and then you're bringing a guy like Melo off the bench, especially if he's willing to buy into this new role. I mean, I can see a scenario where Carmelo Anthony works out really well with the Nets and they win a championship, and he's part of the reason because he's just a great piece for them to have off the bench, and he has some big moments for them. Yeah, and, and I think that um, there is a desire, I think, that it would have to be a reevaluation of the priorities to come along. And I think that, you know, he's seen that and the opportunity that he does get given to him by a team, if it is given to him by the Brooklyn Nets or someone else, you know, I think he's going to have to realize that this is my last chance. You know, I'm going to have to really sort of re- uh, realize where my role is within the team, where my role is as an individual. How can I add value to a team in terms of, on and off the court. Um, and I think that like we've sort of seen with a lot of other sort of veterans, you know, I, I think that there are some good signs going forward. But um, I guess we touched on the fact that, Nick, the, the likelihood is probably greater that we see either ISO, Joe, or Colin Anthony in Brooklyn Nets uniform because of uh, the impending suspension of uh, Wilson Chandler, who has been suspended for 25 games starting in the Nets' fifth game, November 1, um, because of the use of PEDs. Yeah, and it was a substance that was recently banned, I think, two years ago. So, I mean, that just sucks for Wilson Chandler, especially a guy trying to rebound in his career. He's dealt with a lot of injuries the last few years. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that whole situation because he probably is going to appeal. I don't think it'll get like put away or anything like that. Maybe it's reduced slightly, but um, I, we haven't seen the Nets have to deal with a situation like this. We haven't seen them you know, have to deal with somebody who was suspended for PEDs or anything like that. So it'll say a lot in how Sean Marks is going to deal with it, what they think of Wilson Chandler. We know Kenny Atkinson already has a tie from him because he worked with him when he was in the New York Knicks. So I'm intrigued to see what uh, Sean elects to do with uh, Wilson Chandler. Yeah, and um, he issued a statement uh, a few days ago as well, uh, saying, during my injury rehab process, before I signed with the Nets, I was prescribed a treatment that included small doses of a substance recently added to the NBA's prohibited substance list. I didn't realize the substance was banned and neither did his doctor. I accept responsibility and apologize to my Nets teammates, coaches, front office and fans for the mistake. I'll continue to work hard to prepare for the upcoming season. Uh, Are we going to see Wilson Chandler in a Brooklyn Nets uniform at all next season, Nick? It's a great question. Um, And just to put it out there, the substance was banned, I believe, Woj said in 2016-17. I, I do like the fact he came out and he took, you know, full responsibility for it. And he's just a guy trying to recover from health. So I put it like a 50-50 chance. Like, I think they like Wilson Chandler, but also you need a player on your roster if injuries were to happen or something like that. You know, 25 games is a big chunk of the season. It's not like we're talking about 10 games. Yeah, I, I think that 25 games is still a solid chunk of the season. You know, obviously, in that sense, the imagination, it's, it's almost a... It's over a quarter, almost a third of the season. Um, and, you know, the start of the season as well, you know, you really want to acclimate someone into the system. That's where you sort of work out the kinks and the chemistry. Um, and when you're trying to bring in a new guy, obviously that happens with, with trade deadline uh, acquisitions and, and, and the like. But uh, I'm probably a little bit lower. I'll probably be around that sort of 35 40% mark. Um, because I think that the Nets will want some stability heading into to the first few games of the season. And obviously, the suspension doesn't begin 
um, until after the next fifth game on November 1. But, you know, uh, you can only do so much in, in the first few games. 25 games, I think, is a solid stretch. And uh, in that sense, Nick, do you, do you have an inkling? What would you do, I guess? Obviously, it's hard to have an inkling of what Sean Marks is going to do. But if you were in his shoes, what would you do? Would you uh, go down the Colin Anthony route? Well, you spoke about you prefer ISO Joe. Uh, or would in that sort of poll, would you prefer to keep uh, Wilson Chandler around for that little bit longer? I think a lot of it depends on your relationship with Wilson Chandler, Kenny's relationship with Wilson Chandler, what you think about him. You know, they know him more on a personal level. They've been around the NBA a lot longer and have a better feel for him as a person. And then, you know, if I think I was going to let him go, I'd kind of gauge the team a little bit too. Like I know KD and Kyrie aren't going to, aren't your GMs now, but if they really want Melo and they think they can help you convince Melo, also DeAndre Jordan being there, I'm sure he had some type of relationship with him from Team USA. Maybe it makes sense to bring Carmelo in. Maybe, you know, the team is like, hey, we really think we can give us the best. And this would be the difference between us being a really good team to being a championship team. If not, maybe some of the guys don't want Carmelo on the team. They think it's going to, you know, rub players the wrong way, try to take minutes away. Maybe they elect to go with Joe Johnson. I think you have to get a feel for your situation and the relationships you know about. Yeah, I think that what we know about the guys on the Nets roster in terms of Carlos Severo, Jared Allen, you know, Joe Harris, these guys are low ego dudes. Um, and in that sort of sense, you know, in comparison to a team like the, um, you know, the Boston Celtics, where there's a lot of guys who want to prove themselves, you know, they're more than happy to take that back seat to the, to the bigger personalities, the guys that have proven themselves around the wings, like Kamal Anthony, like Kyrie Irving, like Kevin Durant. So um, I think that if we, had a, if we had have just been sort of talking about the fact that Wilson Chandler uh, hadn't have had this ban, you know, I think that this topic of conversation wouldn't even be relevant. But the fact that the suspension for 25 games, it really does bring forth the possibility. Um, if you were to take a, you know, a stab in the dark at this point in time, Nick, what do you think is the most likely outcome uh, relating to Wilson Chandler, Joe Johnson uh, and the rest? Oh, man, this is tough. I guess if I'm saying the most likely outcome, part of me just thinks that um, Wilson Chandler is going to be let go. You know, part of the Nets culture, they just don't want things like that. Unless he can really convince Kenny and Sean that it was, you know, a complete accident and, you know, it'll never happen again. And, like, part of me just thinks that the Carmelo Anthony thing might actually really happen and it might just happen in Brooklyn. So I guess I think a likely scenario is the Nets let go of Wilson Chandler and sign Carmelo Anthony. I think it's a real possibility. Yeah, I think it's, it's pretty strong as well. And um, we had some comments as well in terms of the fact that, you know, Torian Prince obviously is going to have a, a heap of a role at that four position, despite some sort of inklings of um, people who are a bit skeptical about that. Um, I mean, we could chat for days, Nick, but was there anything else you wanted to talk about before we are end this first Periscope version of the Brooklyn Buzz? Um, not really. I think we covered it. I'm just really intrigued that there's so many headlines right now about the Nets and then also just the whole Carmelo Anthony saga. How f it would be really fitting, and this would be like a complete shot at the Knicks, if he signed with the Nets, everything worked out great. He won his championship in Brooklyn, and they kind of gave him the proper goodbye to the NBA. I mean, I kind of want to see it. Part of me just like kind of wants to see it. I mean, there's a part of me that there's a bigger part of me that wants to see it. Um, I know you have probably an even stronger hatred of of, of Knicks fans uh, having living over there, but it would almost seem like fitting in in this weird, wonderful world where the Brooklyn Nets steal away Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving from the number one team in New York and one of the most storied uh, and popular franchises in sports, and then they 
steal away, you know, a, a former stalwart and, and you know, one of the best players uh, in recent history of the franchise. And he ends up finding his greatest success, you know, just across the borough uh, in, in Brooklyn in the black and white. So uh, we'll wait and see how it all pans out. But um, I'm sure there'll be news next week where we can chat about uh, even more. Yeah, 100%. And if you guys like the Periscope or girls, let us know comments and questions. And you can still find the show. We're going to try to take this audio and put it up on iTunes, Bog Talk Radio, GGBasketball.com, that's Republic.com, and YouTube. Peace out, homies. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.